Welcome to the First Day in Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we're back with another great interview for you guys. Today, I got Tommy OJ. Tommy, how are we doing today, man? Doing really good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, so I want to just jump right into it because you've got a pretty interesting story here. Started out at St. John's University, D3 school in Minnesota. Tell me how you got to St. John's. Uh, so I, I live basically... 10 minutes from from St. John's campus and my dad went there so we went to a lot of games growing up okay. uh, and then when I was going through the recruiting process uh, we were still in like baseball season or we had a pretty good baseball team growing up so I wanted to continue playing baseball in college as well so that's the main reason I decided to to go to uh, a D3 college was so I could play both football and baseball and then St. John's was an easy choice for me just because the coaches were great and uh, it was an awesome campus I knew I was going to get a great education so once I decided I wanted to do both sports in college St. John's was an easy choice and it was a decision that I definitely am happy I made. And you know St. John's is you know a well-known football school you know in your time there I believe you guys only lost what was it seven games total I think had a couple one-loss seasons, a couple two-loss. You know, your senior year, you guys were mighty impressive getting to the quarterfinals. I saw – I think you won your opening round playoff game like 84-6 to six that year. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, – well, so we had a we had a good team, and we faced a, a team that was kind of struggling going into the, into the playoffs. So uh, we also didn't really – with playoff rosters, you only really have your second team guys on the bench. So uh, – because it's shortened, so you can't really just throw in some like freshmen to to keep the score down. Like the second team guys are still pretty good, so it's not really like uh, an easy way to keep the score down. Even if you're just running the ball, like I mean, those second team guys are pretty good. So. And you know, you played at St. John's. St. John's actually just recently put a guy in the NFL, Ben Barch. You know, lineman with the Jaguars. Were you and Ben teammates at any point in time? Yeah, Ben. Ben was one of my best friends. There he still is. Uh, so he actually was one of the tight ends with me. And then he's a, he was a great younger and the coaches wanted to kind of get him in a position where he could be in every play. And uh, so they, they decided to move him to tackle and he, he really committed to it and uh, gained all the weight necessary, just put in the time in the off season and it worked out super well for him. So do you ever tell Ben that he had to move to tackle because you were just too talented for him to beat out? Uh, no, that wasn't the case. He just, uh, he was a year younger, so I kind of already had the the year of experience on him. So I'm sure if, if it was the other way around, maybe I'd be playing tackle. But I, I don't have the, the size, because he's like six 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 seven, So he's, he's got the natural size for it already. You know, and we, on this show, we like to talk about the talent at D2, D3. Everyone assumes if you didn't go D1, you weren't good enough. And that's just not the case. I mean, you obviously played with a guy like Ben, who's now with the Jaguars, but was there any other talent that maybe people don't know about that you played with? Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of guys that uh, I think could play, play it definitely at the level I'm playing at or higher because uh, I mean, we had set, I think seven all Americans when I was a senior and like six the year before that. So there's a lot of guys really that, that, uh, 
you know, if they, they wanted to make a career out of this, they, they definitely could have. And even guys that, that didn't get the, uh, the award type, um, but could be playing, you know, at, at a higher level as well. So, you know, and you I, talked I about it. where you're playing now and, you know, you graduated, I believe 2019, um, yeah. went straight into doing taxes. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, so I had basically had a job set up for almost a full year before that. So I was like, uh, you know, kind of uh, take this thing that I've been planning for a while. But after, after a little bit of doing taxes, I decided uh, I wasn't really done with playing football yet because, you know, I was still thinking about it every day. I was watching games on TV and I'm like, gosh, I still want to be out there. I feel like I can, my body's still in good shape and I can, I can, you know, do what those guys are doing out there. So I was like, might as well, you know, give it a shot. You know, and you ended up in Austria. So tell us a little bit about what it's like playing professional football in Europe. Uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. I, I had probably one of the, the best experiences, um, the best like six month periods of my life. There's a lot of great guys. They're super willing to learn football because a lot of times, you know, they're only in like, they haven't been playing it since they, they were 10 years old. They've been playing it maybe since they were like 15. Like, a, so it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for like knowledge of the game, just the same way that uh, maybe soccer over here would, would be, would be the case for American players. But so they, they're, they're super willing to learn a bunch of great, great guys. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent over there. So it's a, it was a really good time. So you play in Austria. You put up some big numbers over there. Um, I believe, would you have eight receiving touchdowns in that season? Yeah. And it, so the year I went over there, it was – the schedule was kind of modified for COVID. We only played six games uh, because they do it like we'd have a game and then a week off and then a game. So if there's like basically a full – or like 13 days between games so that if a team got COVID, that it wouldn't – totally wrecked the whole flow of the season so it actually kind of worked out really well because it gave me a lot more time to kind of see uh different parts of austria or germany or switzerland um so it was really really honestly kind of a good thing so and you know after you play in austria you come back to the states and you played in kind of a upstart league that has drawn some names like johnny manzel and terrell owens you played in the fan control football league what was that experience like it was good. I, I was, you know, just aiming for trying to play against the best competition I could. And so uh, it was good that, I mean, that league's got a lot of exposure. There's a lot of really good players in it. So uh, I kind of, my my college quarterback played in the year prior. Uh, so he, he had some good things to say about it. So that was the main reason I decided to do that instead of going back and playing in a, in a league in Europe. So it was, it was, it was a good experience. You know, when you ended up being a first-team All-Pro in the fan-controlled football league, I want to ask you a little bit because, you know, folks who aren't familiar with it don't realize you guys aren't necessarily on the same team every week. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Especially, so, really, the um, – everyone goes back into the draft each week unless you're, like, uh, franchise tagged or deemed a keeper uh so they uh that's basically only going to be really quarterbacks running backs maybe like a receiver so like us we're up for grabs each week but i think the teams kind of get in the flow of like the offensive line group they like and so like tight ends are paired with the offensive line group you, you draft like the 
the O-line unit together. And so we ended up really playing for the, the same teams kind of that, that had already had us in the past and liked us. But yeah, you really could end up playing for a different team every single week if, if that's the case, if that's how it works out. You know, and I want to ask you a little bit, because obviously when you play in Europe, you play in a league like the fan-controlled league, the rules are going to be a little bit different than what we're used to in, you know, the NFL or even college football. Can you talk a little bit about some of those rule changes that you had to adjust to? Yeah. Uh, so one of the, well, first of all, there's like no punts in, in uh can control football. So everything's like you get four downs to get the, the 10 yards, which is, I mean, with, with less players on the field, it's not a, uh, terribly hard so all the all the games are pretty high scoring you really can't get stopped too often uh and then the there's a few uh power-ups is what they have it to make it a little bit more exciting for the fans one of them is you get a fifth down once a game if you if you get stopped so that makes it even tougher on the defense um yeah uh there there's other ones oh the uh you get a power-up or a power play it's called where you get to take like the middle linebacker off the field for the other team. So it's six on seven, which is if the defense gets a stop six on seven, then it's kind of a really big momentum swing. Uh, but the rest of the rules are, are pretty similar there because uh, it's not like true arena ball where the, where the wall is the sideline. There's like a two yard gap. So you can still like step out of bounds or it's not like if you hit the wall, you, well, if you hit the wall, you are out of bounds because it is out of bounds, but uh, yeah, the rest of the rules are, are pretty similar, but it's a little different getting used to different coverages and, and how, how things are working, playing uh, seven on seven rather than 11 on 11. You know, and you alluded to something earlier, you were a baseball player in college too. I have to ask you, because my co-host, you know, he was a college football player as well, but he's obsessed with baseball. So he would kill me if I didn't ask you. At any point, did you think about continuing the baseball career? Or did you always know it was football? No, football was my better sport. I, I don't think I could have probably continued my baseball career if I wanted to. I mean, I was fine for a D3 baseball player, but uh, football is kind of where I, I always excelled. So ba baseball was, for me, more of just about the staying competitive. Always, like, I, I have a hard time, like, uh, not making everything a competition. So I wanted to stay, you know, competitive, and I really liked the guys. Like, I thought – after freshman year of football uh, at St. John's, I was like, gosh, I'm, I'm probably just, I love this so much. I'm just going to stick with it. So I was like, I'm going for like, go at least a year in baseball and just see how it is. But then just, you know, made such great connections with all my, uh, all my baseball teammates. I was like, gosh, I can't, you know, I got to play four years of this year. I can't uh, leave these guys hanging. And I have to have you help us settle a debate here. We always discuss, you know, what is harder, football or baseball? I know obviously they each have their own thing, but what did did you feel baseball helped you at all on the football field? No, not for me. Maybe if I was like a quarterback, but yeah, I don't know if it helped me. Maybe it, it helped probably help with my hand-eye coordination, I guess, uh, hitting and hitting and all that. But I, I, I mean, baseball is pretty dang dang tough. Like if you hit like three hundred, you're you're having a good season, and that like that's getting out seven out of 10 times, which is if you, if you're having seven out of 10 bad plays in football, like if you're the quarterback and you're only completing three out of 10 passes, you're getting benched pretty quick. So it's baseball's a baseball's pretty tough sport. You know, and I want to talk about what you bring to a football field specifically, 
watching some of your highlights and just looking at your stats, you definitely create in space. You're definitely a yards after the catch guy. Do you model your game after any tight end? I know growing up in Minnesota, I don't know if you're a Vikings fan watching Kyle Rudolph, but who do you model your game after, if anyone? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I try to just be all around. Like I, my favorite guy to watch is, uh, Kittle just because he, he, uh, is so aggressive on his blocks. I just love, love how he, he really plays both the run and the pass aspect really well. Um, so I, I guess I try to be as well-rounded as I can, um, because football is, you know, just not about the, the passing plays or the plays where you're directly involved. Like you gotta, you know, make every play count for your team. So. I try to be as well-rounded, but I, I, uh, I love watching just like any, any football game I watch, I'll basically watch the, the tight end almost every single play just to, you know, pick up little things or just, just cause that's where my attention is drawn. I like seeing how, how they get off releases, what kind of path they're taking on the field, depending on like the leverages and the, and you know, if someone's coming out to try to reroute them. So for me, uh, I'd say Kittle's my favorite one to watch, uh, but I watch literally all of them. So. so you talked about blocking a little bit, and a lot of people in today's age, you know, they think about a Kittle or a Travis Kelsey, and it's the pass catching and what they can do with the ball in their hands. But you alluded to it. Kittle got himself drafted in the fifth round because he is such a great run blocker. What does run blocking look like at the tight end position? Uh, just – for me, it's a lot of like te- just technique, and then it t- comes down to aggressiveness. Uh, because really, like if you if your technique's good, it's all about heart and who wants to, you know, win that rep more. So I, I always used to tell myself when I'm going against a, a bigger, like, because almost everyone you're going to be blocking is bigger than you, unless you're like a 280 pound tight end. But uh, so I used to just remind myself before each play even in practice like it's about who has more heart on this play and you know that kind of gets you fired up to to make sure you win the rep you know you're aggressive off the ball and keep sound technique so what is your favorite route to run as a tight end if you could run one route all game what would it be uh i like running the ends uh like the 10 yard end just because i feel like once you catch the ball uh, off those like the, you have so much space to, to run or another one that we used to run in college all the time was like uh like so motion over and then you go back underneath the line and into the flat I always liked that because we we would run you know the run play off that where you're kicking out the end kicking out the end and then avoid the end and you're into the flat and a lot of times you'd catch the ball and there'd be no often 10 yards you know get a little extra room to run so get the ball in space and make some magic happen. That's most definitely anybody's dream when they got the ball in their hands. I have to ask you, you know, you're preparing for an XFL workout. What is, what does that process look like for you? What are you doing to stay mentally and physically ready? Uh, so I make sure each day I'm, I'm in the gym, I'm working field work. And then I, I always, for me, a big emphasis point is just trying to get faster. So uh, I either go to the hills and run hills or I'll, uh, on the field, the field near my house, just, uh, run some, some sprints. So those three things are, uh, the main focus of the day, but I also make sure I'm, you know, getting abs in every day. I'm jump roping every day and, and also recovery is a big, big, uh, thing. So I'm ready for the next day. So I'm stretching 
two to three times per day. And then uh, I always make sure I get the massage gun out and get the, the muscles ready for the next day. So. So with, you know, the XFL workout coming up, obviously that's, you know, priority number one right now, but what are some other opportunities you have coming your way at the pro level? Uh, so just for me, uh, that's just kind of the focus right now. I, I have, you know, been in contact with some NFL teams, but uh, at this point in the season, they're probably just signing guys that um, either were in training camp with them or uh, veteran guys. So. Uh, right now, the, the XFL is kind of just my main focus, and it, especially with the draft being in November right now, and the next month's kind of just a, a waiting game, you know, waiting for, for calls or uh, waiting to, to see what happens. So. so I want to get a little more technical. You know, on this show, we like to help educate people, and especially educate, you know, high schoolers about what it takes to get to the level you're currently playing at. And one thing people overlook is the film room. A lot of people think, well, you just go out there and you're more talented, but that's not the case. Can you talk about what is film preparation look like for you? Uh, yeah. So I make sure, like, I, I, I like to watch not only just my plays, but like the, the tight end, like the other tight ends reps, you know, just to, to see what I, what they're doing better than me or what I can kind of pick up from them or how I would have did it differently. So uh, I'd say one thing, you can do that in the film room, but you can also do it at, at practice. You know, if you're not the tight end or the player at your position getting the rep, it's so important to to know the play before, think, how am I going to do this? See how they do it and like, okay, I would have did it a little differently or, oh, he did that really well. That's something I might try to work on. So you can literally, you can learn so much from just being able to, you know, pick up things from other people or watch and say, you know, I went to did it that way. Uh, and I think, you know, it's a way to learn a lot faster than just only watching your own reps. You know, and I, I have to ask you as well, you obviously went D3. Obviously, like you said, it was to be a two-sport athlete. But what would you tell a kid if he was, you know, upset? Maybe he thought he was going D1 or D2 and D3 is all that came knocking. What would you tell him about that opportunity still, though? Uh, just outwork everyone. It, you can you can totally control it. it doesn't matter if a guy has d1 talent and size you can always work harder than him um i'd say one thing that i do that has kind of changed uh my like trajectory of improvement everything is just if you can go to bed each night and like truly say i know no one at my position at work me today then you're gonna be on a, a good trajectory to to getting better and surpassing people that are maybe at a higher level than you. So I have to ask you as well, you know, on this show, we definitely, like we said, we have disproven the theory that D3 has no talent. I'm assuming playing pro ball, you've played with a few D1 guys. Is that correct now? Yeah. I mean, especially in the FCF, if uh, I think like almost everyone was, was D1. It was definitely the, it was definitely more more common than lower level guys for sure. So, what is, the, in your opinion, the big difference between a D one athlete and a D three? Is there such a wide disparity as you know the mainstream media would have you believe, or is you know there just as much talent down at D three? Uh, well, I'd say there definitely is guys at D three that can, that can play at any level. At least that's my opinion of it. Uh, I'd say the number one thing is coming out of high school, just size and speed is something that's pretty easy to to see um, for a recruiter. 
uh, at least on on paper and all that stuff. So uh, <clears throat> I think so. My senior year of high school, I led the state interceptions, uh, and I had no full scholarship offers or anything like that to to D one school. So uh, a lot of knocks I got was uh, too too small to to play tight end and too not fast enough to play receiver. But I think you know there there were a lot of guys that that did fit those categories where they're big enough or or fast enough, but they didn't have the the success. So um, I'd say that's that's the biggest thing. So if you if you're a guy that's maybe not getting the 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 recruiting that you you know are hoping for like understand that it might be a, a size or speed issue but those are things that you know you can't necessarily control your god-given talent or your god-given size but you can always try to you know improve by outworking everyone so and if i read this correctly your dad is actually a high school coach is that correct he was yeah he was a high school coach and then he the year after i graduated st john's uh so 2020, they, they hired him as a linebackers coach. So what's it been like having a parent who is a coach? Has that helped you at all? Is that, you know, kind of raised your competition level at all? Uh, yeah, well, I, I definitely think it, it helped me, you know, at least originally um, learn football from a young age and, you know, what it takes uh, just watching, like, the team seat coach on the sideline, like, after – after I get done with like middle school or, you know, I go out and watch practice and kind of see, you know, the speed and, and the size those guys have and uh, the, the technique they're using. And I think pick up little things from that definitely helped. And then watching film, uh, you know, with, with my dad definitely, you know, help, you know, learn, learn things a little bit quicker than maybe, maybe otherwise. So just a couple more questions for you. We appreciate you coming on. I've got to ask, you've played, you know, fan control. You've played in Europe. What is, you know, people think if you go to Europe, maybe the talent's just not as good or whatever. What would you tell people about the talent that's over in Europe and kind of help show people there's some legit football players? You know, Cavante Turpin, the kick returner for the Cowboys, was just over in Europe just a couple years ago. So what can you tell us about the talent? Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely a lot of really athletic guys. I'd say uh, one of the biggest differences right now is just that it's not the most popular sport. So uh, maybe the majority of European athletes are, are playing different sports, but there is a lot of, you know, really athletic guys playing football in Europe. Uh, and then the Americans that they bring over are obviously ones that have had success in the past in college and stuff. So those guys have a like proven in the past but uh touching on like you know the european players again a lot of i'd say the biggest difference is just um lack of experience in football like they just haven't played it as long or they haven't you know learned all the techniques that they need they need to be successful yet so um i'm thinking you know it's growing over there every year eventually they're gonna you know have some guys that are probably gonna be or they do already have some European players in the in the NFL, but I think it's going to become even more prevalent just because they do have athletic guys over there. A lot of it's just, you know, learning the, the nuances of football. And what is the fan experience like, you know, playing in Europe? What was that like? Uh, so 
because of because COVID was still kind of going on, uh, the first five games of the season we didn't have fans allowed in games except for if they had just had a test before and they were on like a a list. So it's like just basically like really close friends and family. So we just have like 30 people that were allowed in the stands and they weren't like near each other. But the uh, the last game of the season in Salzburg, they allowed um, fans to come in for the first time that year, uh, just like openly. And they uh, it was a full stadium. So it was really cool uh, last game of the year. And we we got beat that game, but uh, the uh, the fans were, were made for a great environment. You know, and last question we have for you, we end it with every prospect. If the XFL or an NFL, if any team takes a shot on you, what are they getting from you as a player and as a person? Uh, they're getting a, a hard worker and a guy that's going to be a, a great teammate, you know. Uh, do all the little things that, that are required to help the, the team get to win and someone who's had success at, at each level that they played at and uh, will continue to do so at the, at the XFL or NFL or whatever level. And I would definitely say the perseverance is what's shown, you know, anytime you can go from doing taxes to an all pro at any level, it's definitely impressive, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And folks, that's all we've got for you guys this time. Tommy, thanks for coming on, man. We absolutely appreciate it. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. But until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.